You're listening to an Axe Church sermon. If you haven't heard of Axe Church before, we are a church in Camas, Washington. You can check us out at axecamas.org. You can see what we're about and what we're up to. We're glad you're listening today and hope you enjoy this sermon. So we've been in a message called, Who is Jesus? Um, Some of you, this is your first Who is Jesus, but it's probably the last one for now um, because we're starting the Dear Skeptic sermon uh, series next week. Um, But today, we're going to continue on with Who is Jesus? And uh, in Isaiah's prophecy about the coming Messiah, he says... He says this. Let's, let's read it, okay? This is Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. Usually we read this at Christmas, uh, but close enough, right? I'm sure some of you already got the Christmas music going by now. I know how you are. Don't, I know your secrets. All right. It says, For unto us, this is uh, Isaiah 9, 6 through 7, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Now, we've been going through the series on who is Jesus in the passage that we just read, Isaiah is talking about the coming Messiah, and we see a number of names that the Messiah will be called. And among those names is Prince of Peace. Now, we're going to have to break this down a little bit. What is peace? So, I have an older sister and a younger brother. Now, providentially, I am not a person who likes to engage in arguing very often. Um, You'd be laughing harder if you knew me better. Um, I am an attorney, after all, so uh, I do argue, but... But here's the thing. My brother and sister were not as mature as I was, and so they would often want to argue with me, um, which was, you know, which was difficult. But here's the thing. My mom, who's, who's here today, would probably take the brunt of our arguments, right? Because uh, she would have to listen to me having to explain to my brother and sister why I was right and they were wrong, and those arguments would, would take some time, right? I mean, I don't know what's wrong with, with them. Neither of them are here, so you get it, right? They were wrong. Um, I'm going to tell them that you said so. Uh, anyway, in those times, my mom was probably screaming emotionally um, because she would never yell at us at all because she was perfect in every way. Um, right, mom? Okay. She was probably screaming emotionally, crying out for peace, right? Peace from these contentious children that Pastor Dave gave me. I didn't ask for these kids. No. I'm kidding. Just give me peace and quiet, right? Peace and quiet. Peace, peace, right? In this case, peace and quiet. Stop making noise. It's one way that we look at peace. Another story for you, I was taking the bar exam in Tennessee. So when I got out of law school, I took the bar exam in Washington right after I finished law school, and then I took a course for the bar exam, and then I took the bar exam, okay? I was able to pass that, but then I went to Tennessee a couple years later. We felt that the Lord had called us to go there to practice law, and so when I took the Tennessee bar exam, I had been out of law school for a couple years, um, and I didn't have a course, but I had some, some books. I mean, you could imagine, for those of you who have been out of school for a while, for instance, if I said, okay, pop quiz, I'm bringing in right now, we're going to do a calculus quiz. I'm going to bring in the papers. Most of you 
would start getting a little nervous about that, right? Right. I see, I see Julie Cook is sharpening her pencil and getting ready. She's, she's smiling, but she's a math teacher, so she likes that type of thing. We would be freaked out, right? It's been a long time since we've been in school. We didn't really, no one told us we had to remember all this stuff, right? We were just trying to get the piece of paper so that we'd get a job. Um, in any case, trying to remember everything that you need to know for the bar exam a couple years later was difficult. It was difficult, and it would give any person some nervousness, even if they're completely prepared, because it's a, it's a big test, right? Um, and so when I took the Tennessee bar exam a couple years after I was out of law school, so I was understandably nervous. And here's the thing. Here's the thing that made things worse. The first essay question I get out of the gate, I had no idea what it was talking about. No idea. I've got to write an essay. No idea what it's talking about. It was like either Tennessee has some very different laws or I had not seen this in my study materials. As I recall, it had something to do with if two first cousins get divorced, are they still cousins? Um, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Everyone knows, yes, they stay cousins. Um, oh, you all haven't lived there. Okay, no problem. Um, if anyone's from Tennessee, I'm kidding. I love Tennessee. Uh, it's, it's great. So, um, <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know what it was talking about. Okay, still to this day, I have no idea what that question was about. You don't get to see your answers and so on. So I have no idea. So uh, during the first break that day, I had, I had taken this question. I knew I bombed that thing, right? And there's only like seven or eight essay questions, plus some other stuff that you have to do, uh, learning how to take money from widows and orphans, stuff like just the normal lawyer <laughs> stuff, right? But that's, that was a different thing. So I, <laughs> I have... Uh, I have sort of bombed this first question. I'm out. It's either lunch or a break or whatever. And I'm, and I'm tripping, right? I'm nervous. I came out here. We believe the Lord had called us to do this. I had flown to Tennessee from here um, to take this test. It costs money, all the rest of it. Um, and I'm sitting here thinking, this may not be good. So, you know, I, I get out a book. I had I these study books. I get a book, and I just start reading through some stuff because you're allowed to study in between time. And I start reading through. And I read this question and I read this whole long answer of this question. I'm feeling a little bit more calm, but still super nervous, right? I then go walk into the bar exam for the next section, and what question do you think was the next question on my bar exam? That question that I had just read. Now, you want to talk about peace of mind. I was like, ah, right? Let's go, right? So I start just tearing through this question. Amazing detail. I'm citing things and, you know, judges from the 1600s. All this because they put everything on the thing. So, I, I mean, the people who graded that answer probably thought I was Perry Mason, right? They, they were like, wow. It definitely made up for that first test. But, but I'll tell you, the movement, the change from nervous, I'm going to fail, I didn't get it right. You know how that feels, right? The anxiety and the fear from that to, oh, Lord just served one up for me. Peace, right? Peace of mind. Peace of mind. And so that's one way that we think about peace is when those difficult emotions come and we can be calm and have peace of mind. There are other kinds of peace. The American Psychological Association, in 2017, they had a, a survey on stress in America. Stress in America survey. You think there was any stress in America? Uh, there was. Okay. Published in December of last year, and it says this. 63% of Americans say the future of the nation is a significant source of stress. That's higher than the percentage of people who are concerned about money, 
which is only 62%, work, 61%, and violence and crime, 51%. 63%. Now, 59% of Americans say the United States is at the lowest point that they can remember in its history. Now, here's the thing that's interesting. 56% of the people who said that are old enough to have lived through World War II and still said this is the lowest point that they can remember. All things, all things considered, when it ta- we're talking about stress. They're more stressed now than they were during World War II. 57% of baby boomers, 61% of Gen Xers, and 59% of millennials all said this was the worst time they can remember. Now, for the millennials, what do they remember? They're like 10 years old. No offense, but you're not that old. Um, what are people saying? They're saying they're afraid, they're stressed out, they're not peaceful. They want to see order. Order. They want to believe that they and their children and grandchildren are going to be safe, are going to be financially stable, that we have a, a country where, where things are going to be okay. They want to see order, and that's a type of peace, right? The kind of peace that comes with an orderly society. That kind of peace. And then there's sort of the classic definition of peace, right? Peace on earth is sort of this idea of no war, no more fighting. Let's just all get along. And of course, we have places on the planet right now that are long past having safety and economic stability. The world is actually full of conflict and war. The Independent, which is a publication in the UK, United Kingdom, uh, that's English people, you know, with the teeth. You know who I'm talking about. All right. Uh, I'm kidding, English people. The people are walking out. It's terrible. Of the 162 countries covered by the Institute for Economics and Peace's latest study, 162 countries, 151 were in some kind of conflict. Only 11 countries in the entire planet are not involved in some kind of conflict. 151 out of 162. And according to the same source, as a planet, as human beings, we have been becoming less peaceful every year since 2007. And that's off, you know, after World War II, we started to see more peacefulness. People didn't want to see that happen again. And now we're on a track towards less and less and less peacefulness. And 151 countries are in some kind of conflict. So for most people in the world, peace means the absence of conflict or war or the absence of noise for my mom or the absence uh, or the presence of quiet or the presence of order instead of chaos or peace of mind instead of nervousness. These are all ways that we use the word peace. But when the Messiah is prophesied as a prince of peace, is that the kind of peace that he was prophesied to provide? Or... Was it something more? Was it something different than just stopping wars and stopping my siblings from being wrong and arguing with me or helping people pass the Tennessee bar exam instead of being nervous? Is it something more than that? And here's the answer. Is it just that or is it something more? The answer is yes, both. It is all those things, but it's something much, much more. The things that we've talked about so far are really the result of what real peace is. They aren't necessarily what real peace is itself. 
Let me, let me explain what I mean. In the Hebrew language, the word used for peace is shalom. You've probably heard this word, shalom. And shalom is so much richer with meaning than any of the uses of peace that we've been talking about, okay? Shalom is wholeness. Wholeness. Wholeness in a complex system, okay? It's completeness. It's soundness. It's welfare. It's contentment. All of these things are here, but, but, but focus in on the idea of wholeness and completeness. If we think about wholeness and completeness, the first place that we saw wholeness and completeness was in Eden, right? In Eden, we had, before sin, Adam and Eve living in the garden, living in shalom with God. Wholeness and completeness, communicating with the Lord. No sin, no pain, no sorrow. But then we sinned. And when we sinned, shalom was broken. There was no longer wholeness when we broke shalom, right? We broke the world with our rebellion against God, taking away shalom, taking it away. And we still see the effects of that, okay? Listen to this. This is Romans 8, 18 through 25. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility. Not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself will also be delivered from the bondage of corruption. Shalom was that corruption. It was corrupted and there was no more shalom. From the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body, for we were saved in this hope. But hope that is seen is not hope, for why does one still hope in what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Now listen, what do we see here in this passage? Shalom was broken. Creation was subjected to futility, but creation will be delivered from the bondage of corruption. That's what scripture says here. And we too will be redeemed in our bodies. For any of us who are over about 30 years old, we understand that we do not have shalom in our bodies, right? They are no longer whole. Mine's gotten bigger, but it's not whole. Okay? It's not whole. They are no longer complete. That groaning that this verse talks about, it talks about this groaning. Do you know what that sounds like in, in life? It sounds like groaning. My back. Right? Oh, my knee. Whatever it is, it sounds like groaning. My aching back. It also has a smell. It smells something like icy hot. Right? Or like that chalky, nasty medicines that we take to try to bring shalom back to our bodies. Wholeness back to our bodies. When we are praying for healing for ourselves or for someone else, we're praying for healing of the body. We're praying shalom. 
We're praying for shalom in the body of the ill person. For some of you know, one of our elders, John Ware, is up getting a, a, a stem cell transplant because he has a, a very serious cancer. And when we're praying and we're saying, help these skin cells, not the skin cells, stem cells to engraft and help it to, what we're really praying for is shalom. Make his body whole and complete and sound. Shalom. Shalom. But it was not just the physical world and your physical body where shalom was broken, where wholeness was shattered. It wasn't just the physical. In fact, it is also a spiritual state. We devastated, we devastated our own spirits when we sinned. We became walking dead spiritually. There was no more shalom in our spirits. And if you think the groaning for wholeness that you feel in your physical body and the older you are, the more you probably can connect to this. If you think that that is real, you better believe that the groaning in your spirit is real. And the Holy Spirit draws those. He's drawing those that are far from him, making them understand what they need, making them understand that they need to be made alive in the spirit. Shalom in the spirit. But we cannot be made alive in our spirit or in our body by ourselves. We must have someone else provide shalom for us. If you've been trying, how's that working for you? doesn't work out very well. And there's a reason why, because we can't do it. And here is the power in that name, power of the name given to Jesus Christ, the Messiah, when Isaiah says he will be called the Prince of Peace, the Prince of Shalom, when he says that. Now, do you remember the night when Jesus was born? I'm not asking you literally. Some of you may, may remember. Dan, no? Uh, what did the angel say? Let's, let's listen to it. Luke 2, uh, 8 through 14. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. Goodwill toward men. We kind of go over that. I think a lot of times we just think peace. People aren't shooting each other. No, 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 no. Wholeness. It's going to be made Right, peace on earth. This is what the heavenly host was saying. God was bringing peace, shalom, through Jesus Christ, the Messiah, his son. And how did he do it? How did he bring peace? Or a better question, what did peace cost? How did he do it? Well, Isaiah told us about the Messiah coming. Isaiah also wrote this prophecy. And Jesus did it, brought us shalom exactly the way that it was prophesied in the book of Isaiah. It says this in Isaiah 53, 4 through 6. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity, the chastisement for our peace, our shalom, 
was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed, made whole. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Listen, the chastisement for our shalom was on him, was upon Jesus. Jesus is the prince of peace. He's the prince of shalom because he paid for our shalom with his own life. On him was laid all of mine and your sin, all of our iniquity, all the things that caused shalom to be destroyed. All of that, he took them on himself for the glory that was set before him and out of love for you. Out of love for you. And because of that sacrifice, we can have shalom, peace, wholeness, completeness. We can have a spirit that is alive and empowered by God, the Holy Spirit. And Jesus rose from the dead physically. So what does that mean? He was the firstborn to rise from the dead, and he defeated death and hell. All that groaning, that physical groaning, that oh, my aching back, that smell of icy hot, proving when he rose again, he proved that we will not only have shalom in our spirits, but our bodies as well. This is the promise of eternal shalom, wholeness, peace for those who call the name of Jesus Christ. You see, this is why Jesus is the Prince of Shalom, because we can have spiritual life now, and the entire universe will be brought back to Shalom. The entire universe will be brought back to Shalom when he returns and finishes his plan. Now, people would come to me when I was practicing law, and they'd have an injury, right? They got smacked by a car, or something happened to them, and they would be injured, They'd be hurt. And the law says this about someone who's, if you hurt somebody, the law says this. If you hurt someone, you ought to make them whole. Sound familiar? These things come from a very obvious place. If you harm someone, it is your job to shalom them. That's your job, to make them whole. But here's the thing. Unfortunately, No matter how much money my clients ever received for their injuries, it was never truly enough to shalom them. They were still hurt. You can't fix hurt with money. Anyone who's had a bad enough headache or a migraine knows rubbing dollar bills on it doesn't do anything. (laughs) Have you not tried that? It doesn't work. That's why I would make sure to take most of the money they recovered because it wasn't going to help them anyway, okay? Um... (laughs) I'm kidding, I'm kidding. We, we have an imperfect system for making shalom because here's the thing, we can't undo the damage that we cause, right? We can't, we can say, I'm sorry, I can throw money at you, I can do a million things, but I cannot truly undo if I hurt you or harm you or say something mean to you, I can apologize, but I can't undo. We can move forward and forget it and forgive, but I can't undo. There's only one who can make Something new. We can't unsin, but listen to what God is able to do. He's able to fully restore that which has been broken. Revelation 
21, 1 through 7. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Can you do that? Because I can't do that. But the prince of peace, the prince of shalom can make all things new. And he said to me, right, for these words are true and faithful. That means it's going to happen. And he said to me, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. I will give the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things and I will be his God and he shall be my son. That is a beautiful picture of the shalom that is to come through Jesus Christ, the King. But hang on, because that passage actually doesn't end right there. And this is important. It goes on to say this, next verse. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, Immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. As Isaiah has also written, there is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. There is no shalom, says God, for the wicked. Now, that's a, it's fun to think about the good part. It's hard when we think about that part. There's no shalom for the wicked. They will experience the second death. They will experience hell. Why? Because they will not call on the prince of shalom to heal them and bring them shalom, peace with God. Because all of us, by the way, if you were wondering, you're all on that list that I read. Starting with me, me first. But we're all on that list of evildoers and liars and sexually immoral and cowardly idolaters and all the rest of it. We've all been there. We've all rejected God. And yet, we don't have this second death because Jesus Christ. Because we call upon the name of Jesus Christ. But Because we have all fallen short. We have all shattered shalom with God. We've torn it apart. And yet, he saved us. Because we have the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Shalom holding out his hand to us. Jesus Christ is calling every sinner into relationship with him to bring Shalom as the Prince of Shalom. Now, as I said earlier, this peace, this Shalom, this wholeness is something much more than just the absence of war or peace of mind or, or peace and wholeness in relationships. All good things. All, by the way, symptoms of Shalom. Things that will happen if wholeness is there, but not they're not everything. It's not that, but it's, it's, not, it's, it's much more than that, right? But it's not less. It's not less than all of those things. Look at the promises of God concerning this peace. I'm going to read you a few verses. Isaiah 26, 3 through 4. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for in Yah, the Lord is everlasting strength. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. 
Romans 5.1, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 8.6, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. John 16.33, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Jesus provides peace. Remember the sinful woman who came into the Pharisee's house and washed Jesus' feet with her tears and wiped her feet with his feet with her hair, right? You remember this woman, the sinner who comes and throws herself at the feet of Jesus. And what did he say after he forgives her sins? Go in peace. I have brought wholeness. I have brought shalom to you. Your sins are forgiven by me, the prince of peace. That's what Jesus said to this woman. Remember the woman with the flow of blood for all those years? And she's following She wants to get close to him. And she ends up coming and just touching the hem of his clothes. And she's healed. Right? And Jesus is looking for her. He says, hey, who touched me? I felt power go out for me. And she comes and she, and she tells him, hey, it was me. Here's the deal. And, and he tells her that she was She's healed, but he says the same thing. Go in peace. You're whole. In the first case, a woman who came in sin was made spiritually whole by Jesus. In the second experience, we have a woman whose body was broken, and she came, and she was made physically whole by Jesus because he's the only one who can do that. There... This is what we're all looking for. Everything you watch on TV, every magazine you read, if they even have that anymore, whatever's on the internet, whatever you see, wherever you go, all the social media, what is everyone looking for? Shalom, wholeness, completeness, soundness. We don't want broken relationships. We don't want suffering and pain. We want shalom. It's what we search for. It's what people try to get. But here's the thing. Outside of Jesus... Their attempts usually end up with addiction and pain and brokenness. That's where they usually end up. But here's God telling us, listen, Jesus is the Prince of Peace, the Prince of Shalom. Look, if you have never experienced peace, and you're in this place right now, you're listening to this, don't you want to? Don't you want to have an answer to the question, why is everything broken? Help me understand. Well, because of you, (laughs) because of me. We broke it. The question isn't, why is everything broken? The answer, the question is, how do we fix it? How do we bring wholeness and completeness and peace and shalom? Doesn't your brain and your spirit testify that the way that God has acted from the beginning and throughout history has been this amazing effort, this amazing, he's, he's dared this amazing thing to bring you and me to shalom, back from the brokenness to be with him. What an amazing God. All of these Americans that I read about earlier stressed out about the future of our country, the future of the world. Where is their trust? Because if they're looking to politicians and armies to provide shalom, you can forget it. You can forget it. There is only one Prince of Peace. There's only one God who we can trust to bring wholeness back. There's only one who paid the price 
for our shalom. Now, you can look as long as you want for someone else or something else, but your search is a search of futility. You will never, ever find shalom in anyone but Jesus Christ. You will never, ever go from spiritual death to spiritual life with anyone but Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by him. It will not happen, period. So stop trying. You see the broken world. You see the, that we have shattered shalom, and Isaiah prophesies about this coming king, the king of kings. And then Jesus comes to the world. The king comes and he sacrifices himself and he gives himself up to be broken, to have his body broken, to bring back shalom and wholeness because of the things that we broke. He has to be broken for us. Why? Because he loves you. Wherever you are, you may be listening to this on a podcast later on the radio or something else. You may be in here this morning. Wherever you are, right now, today, you need to understand that Jesus Christ loves you, that he offers you peace. That thing that you have been groaning for, every time you watch the news and you see the brokenness of this world, every time you feel that backache, every time you wonder, you stay up at night, nervous, uncomfortable, Jesus Christ is the one that can provide the peace that answers those questions that haunt the unbeliever in the dark. It's only Jesus. It's only Jesus. It's only Jesus. And you have an opportunity. Talk to somebody today. Today, if you don't know Jesus. If you need Jesus and you need forgiveness of sins and grace that he offers to bring you shalom, that's what we're here for. We're here for you. We want to see that. We want to celebrate that with you. So I'm going to ask that Maybe uh, Pastor Dave, maybe a couple of the other elders, uh, deacons uh, might come stand over here. And, and, and in a minute, I'm going to give you guys an opportunity to come and talk to somebody today. If you need forgiveness of sins, if you need the grace that Jesus offers you to bring shalom, if you need prayer for shalom in your spirit, if you need prayer for shalom in your body, if you need prayer for shalom in your relationships, you're going through a tough time in your marriage or with your kids, and you want to see wholeness and completeness back there, come and pray. Let's look to the Prince of Peace. Let's start understanding what Jesus is really about, who he really is. Come and ask for prayer, for peace, for wholeness, for completeness, for shalom. Who is Jesus? He's the Prince of Peace. Now, Thessalonians 3.16. Now, may the Lord of Peace himself give you peace. Always, in every way, the Lord be with you all. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the peace that you have brought through your death and resurrection. I thank you that not only are, is the physical world going to be made new, but that you've already sanctified and justified those of us who have called upon your name for forgiveness, who have called upon your name saying, give us the peace that only you can bring. And I thank you that you have never failed. You have never failed to bring peace to those who have cried out to you that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved.
God, I just pray that there's anybody here today that needs that, that needs that peace that passes all understanding that comes only from you, that guards our hearts and minds in you, Jesus Christ. Let us walk in it. Let us, let us be those who lead those people to you. And if there's anyone, anyone today, I pray you just come and pray with somebody here. Cry out, shalom, prince of peace, give me peace, give me wholeness, give me completeness. God, we thank you for all that you're doing. We thank you for all that you've done. I thank you for every person here. I thank you that you are clearly here in power because none of us could do the things that you want us to do and that you're going to give to us without you. Now, we can't even walk another step without you. And Jesus, that every day, every moment, every second of this week, that we would walk forward in your power, recognizing where our strength comes from, only one place, you, Jesus. Let us be about you all week, Jesus. I want to make much of your name right here in Vancouver, in Camas, in Portland, wherever our jobs take us, Lord, let us lift you up. Let us humble ourselves beside you that you might lift us up and teach us your ways. Let us continue to be discipled, to disciple others. Lord, we thank you for your peace and the wholeness that we already have spiritually and the wholeness that's coming physically. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to our sermon. Again, this has been a sermon from Acts Church in Camas, Washington. We hope you enjoyed it and got a lot out of it. If you did, you can subscribe to our channel as well as liking and commenting. We love to hear how these sermons are impacting you. You can also take a look at our podcast series that we have out. And we'll catch you again next week.